welcome to the I Spy with My MyOI podcast. I am your host, Brittany Sierra. I am a certified oral facial myologist, registered dental hygienist, and lifelong learner. My goal with this podcast is to expand your knowledge of oral facial myofunctional disorders and to bring you up to date in current literature so that together we can get to the root of the problem. You ask, we'll answer by collaborating with true pioneers and specialties associated with the myo world. Join me on this journey as we dive into the life-altering world of tethered oral tissues and airway space. Let's do this thing. Quick disclaimer, all content expressed on this podcast are the views and opinions of the speakers and is for informational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace, professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Because every person is so unique, you should always consult with your specialized healthcare professional. Sandra Holtzman is the CEO of NeoHealth Services, Inc., with three locations in Florida and the home office in North Carolina. During her early career, she worked in public and private schools as a speech pathologist, saw patients in hospitals, and later supervised graduate students at two universities. Then she opened private offices and eventually a large multidisciplinary facility consisting of oral facial myology, speech, medical, audiology, occupational therapy, physical therapy, and mental health departments. She held the position of adjunct associate professor at the School of Dentistry at University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and served on the board of examiners and board of directors of the IAOM for much of her career. NeoHealth Services, also recognized in doing business as oralfacialmyology.com, has developed many myo tools, materials, measurement devices, and myo kits, including helpful guides for parents, therapists, dentists, and medical professionals. They are best known for their highly regarded training courses, offered both online and live throughout the United States and Canada. Sandra Holtzman began offering training in oral facial myology early in her career, and she and her instructors have continued to provide highly sought after courses for well over 40 years. Dental, speech, and medical professionals travel from every world continent to train with NeoHealth Services and to earn the credential of QOM, Qualified Oral Facial Myologist. And yes, she is the author of the Myo Manual Treatment Program. ready to rock and roll I think yeah I'm ready if you are so we can uh can just kind of get into it and um I want to thank you first for you know coming on and taking the time to do this with me I really appreciate it so welcome well it is my pleasure let's start with you know first talking about you know how you got into the world of oral facial myology and when well thank you for your question Brittany um but do let me say it's a pleasure to be with you today and uh I think you're doing an impressive job with I Spy with my eyes, by the way. Thank very, you. Very, very nice. Uh, and you ask, how did I enter the world of oral facial myology? Um, I, I actually came to oral facial myology from the speech perspective originally. Uh, unlike many others that, that I've been listening to who had either personal or family experiences that kind of prompted them, you know, to learn more, I always had in mind to try to fill the gaps that as a speech pathologist, we were missing. We were missing it in our college, our graduate school, our internships, even fellowship years. So that was kind of the impetus. And 
you know, even before I had ever heard the word that was used at that time, which was then myofunctional therapy, I was seeing students for various problems in the schools during my, my earlier jobs. And I noticed that some of them had only a lisp or some other minor articulation errors. And yet those kids seemed to re remain in therapy for years. And, and then some others that had different types of difficulties, even more severe ones, graduated from therapy. I used to even talk about that in class because early on that was the one thing that amazed me. And, and I looked at the, the kids that seemed to be um, not getting it for whatever reason, and they, they generally overall were bright little kids. They tried hard. Mm -hmm. They practiced their homework pages, uh, the pages I thought made sense to give them at that time. But they did not progress. So I didn't know what to you know, do with that information. And I kind of noted whatever physical characteristics I could based on what was pretty much limited knowledge back then. But I saw that they had rounded, cute, but chubby-like faces, mm -hmm. a lot of teeth showing. And again, I didn't have this information back then that I had now, obviously. So I did what I could to try to make sense of it. <laughs> it didn't make sense, but I put it, I put it in the back of my mind, uh, you know, for consideration in the future. And uh, then when I moved to Cleveland, Ohio, I took a job with a tutoring firm when I first moved there, and they sent me to homes to work with children. They had a variety of speech and you know language dis disabilities and disorders. Well, the owners of the company that hired me, and this was really the start of my new career, really. The owners had a, um, a winter or Christmas holiday party, and I met their close friend, who was a pediatric dentist, don't laugh, named Andrew Carey. <laughs> <laughs> as in dental carry cavity. That's funny. <laughs> he took a lot of backhanded jokes about his name, but he was a wonderful man. So Dr. Carey, I met at this meeting, or really, really met at the Christmas party, and uh, he had just attended a meeting about myofunctional therapy, and he was looking desperately for someone to send to Miami to take a training class given by Dan Garlinger and and the young Roy Langer back then. And Dr. Carey, whose name was Andrew, convinced me to take the week-long training. Well, <laughs> it was not hard to convince me because I had never been to Florida. I don't remember if it was winter, but I was delighted to go. My husband said, go for it. And little did I know at that time that uh, I would actually end up living in Florida for 33 years later in my life. Wow. But, uh, I still would have made, you know, that same decision. Mm -hmm. So I took the class with Dan Garliner and Roy, and I began working with patients back in Cleveland, in Dr. Carey's office. But it was a very simplistic therapy regimen. And I, I still am grateful because it was what was available at the time. And, and honestly, it started as a, as a beginner program that, that started my journey, that, that did culminate in the creation of the myomanual treatment program. I remember that uh, I was able, <laughs> this was unbelievable, I was able to prepare every client's lesson in advance, and it was basically a cookbook program. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but I was happy working with Dr. Carey, and uh, we did work well together, but then my husband got a new job in Youngstown, Ohio, and I had to move, leaving poor Dr. Carey stuck again. Oh. <laughs> guy and that's where uh, I think in Youngstown things started coming together you know for me even a little bit more 
I applied what I had learned in Miami to some students that I was seeing in the schools. And it was really easy, believe it or not, to pick up private clients. So I started seeing them. And then local dentists in Youngstown started sending me patients, asking me to give them brief type training sessions. They wanted to know the signs, the symptoms, so they'd know who to send to me. And I ended up um, doing a decent amount of private therapy as well as the kids in the schools. And I, I'm gonna throw this in too, because this is something I talk about in some of our courses. I began to screen private schools and preschools in the area. Uh -huh. uh, I, was, I was welcomed to do it. And screening schools is something uh, I did again when I moved to Florida and it helped me get my clinic started. It brought a lot of new clients into my program and it, it was very effective. So I try to encourage definitely the, the dental hygienists who are starting out to do it and, um, and the speech therapists who are initiating new offices. So yeah, uh, I don't know if you're, you know, if you've done it or you've heard of people doing that. But, um, um, not any hygienists, but definitely uh, the speech pathologists. Um, but I think it's a wonderful idea for you know, because there are some schools that have programs with hygienists that go to go into the schools. Um, that would definitely be something that I'd like to look more into, actually. Yeah, one of our grads, I don't remember who it was, said that um, her kids went to a private school and she went in and uh, has been doing it ever since, probably every year. But I can't remember which one. We have a lot of them. <laughs> so, but uh, but it's I think it's helpful to consider. So um, so there I was. Um, uh, I ended up um, in, if it's, it's kind of weird, but fortunately there was um, another trained myofunctional therapist uh, in Youngstown. She had taken Garlander's course and she shared an office with me and I say fortunate because my family, yes, once again moved. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, did, I didn't stick my patients this time. It was terrible. So <laughs> this time we moved to South Florida. And here I went from a small office to a clinic to a large multidisciplinary center. And I was busy beyond belief. I was a nervous wreck. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm sure. It, it was a lot, it, and I had never planned on it growing to that, but just, you know, life circumstances. We ended up with all kinds of departments in, in the clinic. But now there were requests from orthodontists, again, to meet and provide them with some training courses. So, you know, I did some, I, I had room in the clinic, so I gave some short courses, uh, maybe, you know, just during over a day. But um, I think the impetus was because the Mayo Manual, uh, the word was spreading a little bit around Florida, I think, and that it was suitable for a whole array of different types of, you know, patients, clients, and students. Um, my early training classes that I held <laughs> were for the uh, speech pathologists back then were called Build a Myo Manual. <laughs> oh, okay. They would come in, we'd give them an empty binder, and I discussed one page at a time and then handed it into the, you know, handed it to them. And then when we got to the exercise parts, they practiced. So that's actually how it started. You know, I'm, I'm glad you asked me to, to think about these things because it, it brought back a lot of, yeah, of great it's not, I'm sure that it, you know, it's not something you think about on the regular. So going down memory lane, it's always a, it's always a fun time to do that. 
It really is. So I hope that gives you a little bit of an idea. It's a little bit. I mean, there have been a lot of years, but just a, a feeling for how I got into it. And uh, Absolutely. And then, you know, that kind of leads us because, you you know, you talked about the mile manual for our listeners that don't know what the mile manual is. If you can talk about that, how it came to be born, um, okay. is it, you know, accessible in other languages? Thank you uh, for asking about it. Um, there was, uh, it is, it is available in some other languages. We're not necessarily selling it in all those languages, but it has been translated into Spanish, French, and Mandarin, the last two by some of our own graduates in different parts of the world. And we did pay a translator to translate it into Spanish. Uh, there was a need to fill in a lot of blanks, as I said, and there were missing links. In fact, my earlier courses were called missing links, uh, related to a lot of different disorders that, that we were seeing. Mm -hmm. And I think the way that I created it explains why it helps so many different types of patients. There were short cookbook types of exercises. I did not want a cookbook. I guess I'm known for that. I did not believe in prescribing the same exercises for every myo patient since Really, they were so diverse in their symptoms and their needs. For sure. I didn't see, and my clinic didn't see, but I didn't see only ortho, you know, orthodontic patients. I didn't see only articulation. I didn't see only swallowing disordered patients at our clinic. We saw all of those, but also, for example, children with cleft palate, adults with strokes and partial glossectomies, children with a multitude of syndromes. Our clinic saw hundreds of clients and I realized that Mayo, at least as I understood it, used it and created it, applied to many of them. Right. So the last thing of interest to me was a one program fits all type of approach. And I had an interest always from the beginning, even before I knew what oral motor was, I had an interest in maximizing the oral and the facial muscle functions of, of all the clients. And the overall capacity of the tongue to make various excursions and shapings within the oral cavity. And I realized that to produce various sound productions with clarity and be able to speak with precision, even if they're speaking quickly, was directly related to the ability to control the oral and the facial muscles. Mm -hmm. And I found out, of course, the same was true for swallowing disorders and swallowing problems, we had to be dedicated to maximizing each and every patient and to train them to work at their maximum capacity. Right. And, and it was very important to do that without skipping steps. So no cookbook therapy approach would be considered, obviously. The mile manual at first was called Holtzman's Bible. Oh, I <laughs> love that. <laughs> by my therapist, they made it up. Uh, I, I created it, I don't know if you knew this, over 15 years of keeping information in a small drawer, got a pretty stuffed little drawer. Wow. There were many, many papers of how I was able to get more and more basic with a variety of patients mm -hmm. to get them to progress in a sequential and a sensible and a systematic way to go from the basics to habituation, and as you know, but I don't know if others know, that's the real name of the Mayo Manual, oral facial myology from basics to habituation. That's where it came from. And it makes, like, it makes so sense. I just love 
like how it's like you said, it's sequential. Like it just, it, when I took your course, I just remember, you know, cause I had taken other courses before, but sitting there and being like, Oh, okay. Like now I get it. <laughs> uh, and we, and we hear that a lot and, and it pleases us because I've always wanted to fill in, you know, any blanks. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was originally created for me, obviously by, for my patients. Right. And how did it spread? I think later it, it, because it was used by all the therapists at my clinic. And then because our clinic supervised students from two of Florida's universities that, that had quite a few uh, speech pathologists at the time, they began to use it in their facilities. And um, in fact, uh, I later became an adjunct instructor at both of those universities. So I was supervising students there and further expanding how to offer individualized treatment and how to relate it to the, to the speech pathologist at that point. I had not yet gotten in other than with dentists. I had not done a lot with the dental hygienist yet. Mm -hmm. So uh, in working with swallowing issues with more severe clients, um, I found, and I didn't do it. I had my therapist who was specialist with severe swallowing problems. None of us could find any exercises that dealt with the early stage of swallowing. So how, how and when the food is placed into the mouth until that actual swallow is initiated. And most available training for what was called swallowing back then, the more serious ones, did not break down that first stage, which is called, as you know, the oral prep or the oral preparatory stage. Well, without doing it on purpose, I found that I had created a detailed phase one program and that it was suitable to augment the therapy of the therapists who were working with serious patients. That was completely, I don't, I don't accept credit. It was accidental. <laughs> so I, I found out, um, and I don't know if I told this in your class, but I found out uh, when a group of speech pathologists uh, uh, came up to me after giving a couple presentations at a state convention, uh, they called it to my attention and they said they were seeing serious patients in hospitals. And then they were asking me would I train them and could, could I come? And that's when therapists who were doing more serious types of problems started also coming to our classes. Right. And they were seeing, for example, uh, stroke patients, Parkinson, uh, multiple sclerosis. I'm trying to think of some myasthenia gravis, uh, cerebral palsy, and, and all kinds of genetic syndromes. So this is like, wow, okay, I, this wasn't my intention, <laughs> but it's, I'll take it. But I, you know, so early on, um, I was providing two-day training courses for Northern Speech Services. Wonderful, wonderful people, love them. And then with another one called Motivation CEU uh, Inc. And I created some short online courses. That's how a lot of the people actually heard about us at first. Um, I have three with um, Northern Speech, and they said that dental people may take them. So now we have some of our uh, past graduates, dentists and, and dental hygienists that are actually going there. They don't get credit though. They can't give them credit. They're only credited for, I think, occupational speech, um, probably physical therapy, I'm, I'm guessing, but you don't get the CEUs, but it's a nice, easy way, inexpensive way to, to get me, I guess. And then um, Motivations Inc. Um, I just gave them uh, the first course for, to, to put online for them. And this is gonna be interesting <clears throat> to a lot of people because you know the myomanu starts with the four barriers to success. So I made the 
uh, presentation on that. Okay. So it talks about uh, the, the ankyloglossia, well, airway, of course, ankyloglossia, oral habits, and then certain orthodontic devices that might interfere with ongoing treatment. So I think that'll be an interesting one. I didn't want to give them both the same things. I wanted to be fair, you know, to each of the companies. Right. So um, after providing long, uh, live and on-site courses throughout the United States with both of those companies, my own company, Neo Health Services, became a provider of continuing education for ASHA, American Speech Language so uh, Hearing Association. And that was that took about a year. It's a lot of work, but it was well worth it. So we've been doing that many years. And then more recently, Neo Health is a provider for AGD Pace that is sending a good number of dentists our direction because a lot of what we do is hands-on and they, they wanted that. So um, that's so important because sometimes I think if you're a hygienist that, you know, takes the leap on, on your own to start taking all these courses, like it's sometimes difficult to go back and explain it all to your dentist. So I think, you know, having the dentists there, maybe along with the hygienists is, you know, even better. Yeah, I'm finding more and more often now the dental hygienists are bringing the dentist, especially those who want to set it up in their office. Uh, but for a while, we've been having the dentists bring their hygienists that they really trust and, and know will do a great job for them. Uh, we, we're getting more and more groups. So I think that's a positive for the dental hygienists. Um, the, way I, the way, by the way, <laughs> the way, by the way, that I got into with the dental hygienist is I was actually approached about, I think it was 22 years ago, if I had to guess, by the IAOM to please consider doing our course for them as well. So that's where I actually started doing the um, training for the dental hygienists. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then later, of course, much to my good fortune, I had a wonderful Becky Ellsworth join me uh, mm -hmm. who is an instructor for dental hygienists. So that's how the dental hygienist piece came into it. And I've been teaching all three disciplines as well as a few others. We've had, we've had some pediatricians, um, some other medical professionals uh, for about, I guess, 20 some years, it's included all of them, whereas maybe 40 years or 30, I don't know, I lose track. It, it started with the speech originally and then the dentists. So, um, so that gives you a little bit of an idea, I think, of, of how that, that happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, thank you. Um, so let's see, let's, let's talk a little bit about tongue tie, um, how you became aware of it. You know, was it something that was always a well-known thing in your field? You know, first as a speech pathologist and then as an oral facial myologist. Wow, that's, that's an unbelievable story when, when you go back in history with me. Um, fairly er, uh, early, I would say, in my career, I started putting together the issues that were related to ankyloglossia, but not really knowing much. Mm -hmm. The internet shows that I'm old because the internet was very young and <laughs> it, lacked, it, <laughs> it lacked information other than a few items that were related only to infants and they were uh, exclusively written by the patient consultants. Uh, dentists uh, couldn't find anything from a dentist or a speech pathologist at all. I was asked to give a presentation for IAOM at that point 
and I coordinated with somebody that I had gotten to know in New Jersey who was a maxillofacial surgeon. So he and I were trying to research the subject. Um, I was able to find and contact Allison Hazelbaker, who is an international board certified lactation consultant, uh, who wrote the book on tongue thrust. Uh, it has a longer name, but uh, it came out uh, several years ago. She was doing a lot of lecturing about infant ankyloglossia. And she had created an assessment, but it was only in rough draft form from her uh, master's degree. She kindly let me use it for my classes as there was nothing else out there that I could find at all. Uh, thank goodness now she does have uh, that book um, that's available as well as, as one other, I believe, that either just came out or is about to. Mm -hmm. So Allison was very helpful. She, um, she even flew me to, uh, or had me fly to Columbus, Ohio, when she had her own phrenectomy done. So that was very fascinating, and I worked with her as well. And additionally, when I was still trying to get this training going, this, this uh, presentation, to find things online, I found, uh, I was able to communicate with Carmen Fernando. She's a, she was an SLP in Australia who had a lot of years of experience in hospitals, and she did specialize in ankyloglossia. And she had created an assessment for children that is suitable for adults too, but not for infants. She was, again, like Allison, very generous and allowed me to use her photos for our training uh, courses. And her, hers is called the TAP, the Tongue Tie Assessment Protocol. It has some other names, but um, it's an E, uh, it's an E book, it's an E test, I guess you'd say now. Uh, further, as to how I became aware of ankyloglossia, I remember um, learning in school that there was something called the dark L. Did I mention that in your class? I don't think so. Uh, like other speech sound errors, nothing or little was known about why it happened that people spoke that way. So, you know, I like to make a fool of myself. So uh, it, it's basically this. Instead of the tongue going up to the spot, the incisive papilla, the back of the tongue goes up. So instead of saying, and I, I know I did this in class, little Larry loves lollipops, yes. it comes out, little Larry loves lollipops. It's a guttural back sound. Okay. Look, 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 I love you. So uh, I, it just didn't make sense to me. But again, I was, I was a young therapist, but it, I remember thinking about that and saying, okay, what does it mean? <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't realize it for years. I knew that, that, there, that there was something called tongue tie, mm -hmm. but what did it mean? You know, I find unless you have the terminology and unless you have uh, some type of explanation, it's difficult to grow because you're doing it all from the basics. Mm -hmm. So each little thing that somebody else came up with, I grabbed, I read, I learned, and then I was able to make more sense of what, what I knew. So over the years, I did come to realize that the frenum length was only part of a much larger puzzle. And I, and I also found it fascinating that I understand why now, but sometimes a shorter frenum, I say frenum or frenum, was less problematic for one client than what I would see on another client who had a longer freedom. So that's when I started thinking length isn't everything, you know? Mm -hmm. So gradually I realized that the flexibility of the tissue and the locations of the lingual and floor of mouth insertions 
and other considerations that I was making using my spying with my eyes. <laughs> All of this additional information increased my ability to make the decision of if and when and who should re be referred for release. So uh, then I was able to better apply certain of my lingual exercises that I had already had and I've been accumulating them, but um, I found that when I gave a thorough oral facial exam, it was easy to understand why the person spoke as they did, where they rested their tongue, how they gathered and swallowed their foods and liquids with tongue tie situation, as well as Mayo in general. And um, as I looked, this was always fascinating, as I looked at one section, or if I did one section of the exam, I could guess what the next would reveal. And right. patients would always say, well, for example, with the speech part, they'd say, well, you didn't give this big, long exam. And I'd say, I didn't have to. When I gave you the eval, it told me how you had to speak. Mm -hmm. So this is fascinating. And this is something I love sharing with my dental people. <laughs> so. Yeah, sometimes when I'm doing my exam, you know, I'll ask them a question and then they kind of look like they don't know how to answer me. And, I, and I'll say to them, do you want to know what my guess would be? Will you like a swallow, like what I think their tongue is doing, or whatever the uh -huh. case is. And I'll share it with them, and they're like, they're like, yeah, they're like, I didn't know how to explain that, but that's exactly what's going on. <laughs> it, it, exactly, and it's such it's such a pleasure, you know, to be able to to share that with you. Absolutely. Um, so you know, we know that you you initially came at this from a speech angle. So let's talk a little bit um, more about the whole speech connection. That's great, and it kind of follows through right now, too, with where were we going. Speech, as you mentioned, can actually signal where the tongue rests and how we swallow, and, and it's all connected. Where the tongue rests is the location where speech begins and ends. They never teach us that in school. Mm -hmm. For example, <clears throat> if the tongue is forward and it's between the teeth, then their speech would have what the old term of tongue thrust. This term, by the way, is often used by speech pathologists to refer to an inner dental lisp. Mm -hmm. It's not a good term because it, confused dental, it can confuse like dental professionals who are untrained in oral facial myology because for them, the term tongue thrust might refer to the brief swallow itself. Mm -hmm. And they would make an assumption that the swallow is the cause of the malocclusion rather than of course, the incorrect rest postures. And the same would be true with the speech people. If they're just saying tongue thrust, they're missing the whole, the whole field. <laughs> so, um, but what, something I thought I might want to share with you, which is a little bit interesting, at least I think it is, is we know what to do if the person has the tongue between the teeth and they have the quote, quote, tongue thrust, the, the list that we were, we, we know about, like Thistothuthi, I, saw something. But <clears throat> what about the what about the ones who have the lateral sounding speech? The ones that say instead of I saw my sister, it would be I saw my sister. Mm -hmm. Or or the CHs. Charlie sat in a chair. Why is that happening? Why is that happening? And I believe it was often created from an originally from the tongue between the teeth. And why did speech therapy fail with some of those early kids that I mentioned? 
that should have improved faster, it's because I skipped ahead. I focused on producing the sound as we were taught in college and mistakenly expected that the child or adult should place the tongue in the correct position every single time that sound occurred when he's talking. And you and I know that is an impossible task. So that was certainly some early on uh, what, what I was realizing. So then I thought, okay, first we have to maximize the function and the shaping of the tongue and the lips. Next, we have to have an acceptable resting posture for the tongue, the lips, and the mandible. And I realized that only then should we address speech errors. And that was like a big eye opener. And I think that's what kind of popularized uh, my training courses for the speech originally. It just answered so much because they were starting on number three that I just mentioned mm -hmm. without the others. So only at that point is it fair to ask a client to address sounds. Right. So uh, it, this explains about how it came about that the first oral facial myologist I hired from my clinic was a dental hygienist. I literally stumbled upon her at a convention in Denver. I ended up moving her and her family to South Florida to be my first oral facial myologist. Wow. So that's, that's the importance of oral facial myology as, as a separate entity. And she, set, she, she actually set the stage for me to have success with speech and swallowing patients. She did everything I mentioned, and then she transferred them to me. I looked like some kind of a miracle worker. Because <laughs> the speech improved so fast and so well. And we knew, of course, that it was because the basics had been set by her before I even began the speech part. And... Um, as I say in, in, in my training classes, this is how the dental person who is qualified as an oral facial myologist is such a big help to the speech pathologist. Even a speech pathologist who lacks myo training is gonna look good if you uh, help the client to be prepared first. I mean, it's just such a relief and um, knowing when to refer to the SLP, the speech pathologist, uh, at just the right point in the myo treatment program is also extremely important. So if you send, if you see someone has a speech problem and you're evaluating them on day one and you send them to the speech pathologist, that would be too early. Right. So, uh, so I like to teach my, my dental people, you know, where is just the right place to, uh, to teach them or to send them on. Like for that lateral sound I was mentioning, we have to make sure if they're doing the lateral sounds that they complete the suctioning part because suctioning is needed not only to collect the bolus and prepare for the swallow, but it's also needed for speech. Right. <laughs> and that was something, again, that I realized over the years. It wasn't taught in school. I wish it were, but I'm trying to teach everyone I can. So I hope this gives you, you know, again, a little broader perspective of uh, the speech connection and why I... Um, I just love having the dental hygienists and dentists learn it, as well as the speech pathologists who get so excited about it. Absolutely, absolutely. and it helps me, but because I have a lot of um, either providers or speech pathologists, um, you know, that ask me, well, what's the difference between speech pathology and oral facial myology? Like, I don't think all people understand that not every speech pathologist knows oral facial myology because again it's not taught in the curriculum just like it's not for a dental hygienist um or even in you know 
in dental school, as far as like tongue ties and things like that, like not all of this stuff is, is discussed in depth, if at all. Um, so I always try to try my best to explain to people the difference, but what you just said definitely will help me in, you know, future conversations that I have either with patients or dentists or whoever it may be. I, I think we also might have either on our grads page or in, in the, somewhere in general, but definitely on the grads page, a handout you can give to, uh, oh, it wouldn't be for the speech therapist. It would be what, what I would give or somebody would give to the dentist to tell them that not every speech pathologist has this background. Very few. We're doing our best. Yeah, I, it's very important that they know that because otherwise it makes orofacial myology look like a failure. Right, absolutely. <laughs> and I don't want that. I will definitely have to find that um, on the website because that will be a good uh, reference for me to have to share. Um, so now that we're talking about the website a little bit, um, you know, I know that you publish oral facial myology news. Um, so can you discuss a little bit about when you began this and how others can find past editions? Oh, great. Thank you. Uh, it began simply in our first edition in 2011, I believe. And we constantly now are receiving requests for it. Uh, it's being printed and handed out in a lot of offices, put onto websites and shared among professionals, I'm happy to say. It's not a heavy, esoteric, deep, theoretical newsletter, although we try to have at least one, maybe two articles that are, that are a little, little deeper. But it's, uh, it, it teaches some relatively important things you need on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, I believe we have more than 6,000 professionals that are somehow related to orofacial myology who receive it quarterly. One of the articles dealt with um, the need to be careful using terminology. I was thinking about this recently and the importance of being sure the person you're communicating with fully understands your definition of terms, mm -hmm. such as tongue thrust that we just mentioned, uh, incompetent lips, uh, and even uh, posterior tongue tie. A lot of people still um, don't understand what someone else means by it. So I, I, I have some little articles in there uh, suggesting ways to make sure that we share properly or what we're sharing might not be received in the right way. Right. Um, another edition has an article um, about the importance of not just motivating the clients, but how to make therapy interesting in ways that motivate us as well. So these are the kind of things uh, in articles that we try to, uh, to put in there, like what are the right ages for oral facial myology? Uh, one that was interesting was should we consider oral facial myology a profession or um, a field of study or are we a discipline? So I try to stimulate the world of, of professionals too in the, in the articles. Now anybody can access these or do they have to have, um, you know, been a graduate of yours? Uh, no, anyone can. Um, all past editions of the Orofacial Myology News are obtainable if you click the media button on the orofacialmyology.com website. Uh, also on that page, by the way, are videos of some of the exercises and some other videos. But it's at the, I'm trying to think if it's, I think it's under the videos. It's all of the past editions. And I think people will find it very interesting. Um, a lot of the different articles will be helpful to them. And you can even search, can't you search by like keywords? 
um, you can, if you go to our website, you can search by keywords. Yeah. Uh, some of our, our grads are using that to answer, which it's okay, it's legit, to answer some of the qualification questions too. Mm -hmm. So there's a search uh, button at the top of each page. And there's also, uh, I think, probably hundreds of questions and answers that people such as yourself have written in and that we've answered the best we could. So you might have a certain kind of patient and you're worried about it. If you put it in the search engine or the search space, you might actually get some help. <laughs> I hope. I that feature. It's, it's really useful because, you know, sometimes you're kind of in a rush and need to find that one specific thing. And the fact that you can just type in the keyword and then it all shows up. I mean, that's just, you know, wonderful. And, you know, being a, um, a graduate, you know, of one of your programs, Neo, the Neo Health Organization, you know, I know that there's a lot of support that you offer for your graduates. So if you want to talk about the different types of support, you know, that you offer for somebody that might, you know, be looking to take one of your courses. Oh, thank you. That's, uh, that's one thing. Uh, there are a couple different things. One is filling in the little blanks for, for the treatment. And the other thing is the continued support. Um, our course graduates can walk out of the door after class and immediately implement our treatment program. But once they do, and some time has gone by, many will have questions about specific type of clients or questions about the best way to approach potential referrals, let's say. Um, many of the RDHs wanted input about setting up the new division that the dentist asked them to set up or setting up a private practice. Uh, so we, uh, Neo Health has a private Facebook group called MyoMasters that's devoted to our own grads. And they hold meetings to review evaluation procedures, tools, um, treatment, um, among other subjects. And grads, what is really cool, grads from all over the world connect and share. Uh, some of them join us in the middle of the night because of where they live in the world. It's, it's unbelievable. There's a nice camaraderie among them. And the most important thing, and some people will understand this more than others, the Facebook group is 100% friendly and helpful. <laughs> Negativity will never be tolerated. Yeah, it's so useful too because, you know, I almost feel like it, furthers your education from taking the course because like you said people put you know their case studies on there and you can learn from somebody else's questions and photos but the other awesome thing too is you know if you have somebody reach out to you that's looking for a certain provider in a certain area like I'll just log on there and say you know looking for a provider a tongue uh you know a friend of provider in wherever and somebody will answer so it's just it's so nice and it doesn't take long for people to answer the group is just fabulous and you know it's just it's an easy source for us to all collaborate together i feel like it, it's, it's an incredible group so sometimes uh, other than our, our symposiums where, where many many times they get together they have gotten together uh separately for fun things uh i i, I believe coming up real soon you might know the date i've forgotten there's actually going to be an online uh gathering for rdhs who've had yeah. a whole bunch of I questions you know when that is 17. Aha, uh -huh, so that, that's coming up real soon. Also, uh, we instructors make ourselves available as much as possible to and everyone in our team. So um, we have, like I said, the, a wonderful Facebook group. The other thing we do is we have a private page on our website so that if you need 
uh, when you're starting out or, or things come up and you need to download various types of forms or uh, other types of things that are going to help you get started, you can do that. Additionally, for our grads, we will support you, for example, if you're going to speak uh, at a group and you need samples of something or brochures, our uh, Florida office will provide that for you. So we, we definitely want you to succeed. We want our grads to be succeeding and, and spreading it everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And something else um, that is on there uh, for purchase too is your Unplugging the Thumb program. So if you wanna talk about how you created that and maybe some other um, oral habit kits that, that you have available. Oh, the, um, the, well, in addition to the Unplugging the Thumb, which is obviously for thumb sucking, Neo Health created Growing the Nails for nail biting and by pacifier, I'm big now. <laughs> Before developing these oral habit elimination programs, I needed them obviously, the available methods I found were not really adequate and did not result in a high enough percentage of success in my opinion. They didn't live up to my personal motto, which is drawing out the best from each patient. Some of them were more pushing it on the kids, pushing it. Uh, pushing them to do something. And that's just not the way that I, I operate mm -hmm. uh, or plan things. So uh, a few of them seemed to have the main ingredients that I knew were needed, but they didn't seem to be user friendly. Mm -hmm. uh, so I took several years to develop Unplugging the Thumb. And believe me, I could give you a list of people who were so very helpful to its creation, uh, including some of our earlier grads giving giving us the ideas we continuously upgrade and enhance our oral habit program kits so that we can modernize them so we used to have a cd it's been replaced with an easy to use usb uh, we have an activity book uh, for the thumb sucking um, it, we we make sure that we reflect pictures of items children use in today's world we've created separate kits for boys and girls we found out that was much more helpful um, because we, we wanted it to be relevant for today's kids so that there's a very high level of success, hopefully close to 100%. I've had close to 100% for most of my life when I was working in the clinic, and it is possible, and people should be getting you know, very close to that. If, um, if the parent or therapist, because we do have a parent edition, if they follow the guidelines and they don't present it, if a child isn't ready, then the chance for success is greater if they wait. So we give examples of when not to offer unplugging the thumb to children because we want the situation and the timing to be optimal to eliminate the negative oral habits and to develop the new ones. We also feel strongly no one should be offering oral facial myology treatment in the presence of an oral habit. So in reality, it's incumbent upon the therapist to have and to be able to use a solid user-friendly program for habit elimination before they move forward with the rest of Mayo. If I hear of a therapist who doesn't have uh, some type of program they're using and they say they're doing Mayo, they're not, unless they're working with all adults who don't suck thumbs. So it's, it's critical that that, uh, any of the oral habits are eliminated and hopefully our programs have contributed to um, making user-friendly ones in the world more available.
Yeah, I love um, I love the program. I love that little um, tidbit you do with you know putting the arm up and pushing it down, and then having them do the habit, and then seeing how how much stronger they are when they're not doing the habit. Yeah, they they find that very effective. They find yeah, it very it, it is. So I love watching the kids' reaction. <laughs> <laughs> I love it too. <laughs> Um, but you don't love it when I have the strongest dentist in our class do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you for that information. I'm sure um, a lot of people will find that find that useful. Um, and I'd like to talk a little bit more about um, the QOM, what it is, what's so unique about it, and for anybody that doesn't know what that stands for, it's um, a qualified oral facial myologist. That's right. Um, having uh, personally been very active in the past of the earlier certification process over the years, there came a time when our Neo Health team decided that we wanted to offer a qualification in oral facial myology that would better represent what our grads had been asking for over many years. So we, we always listen to you grads. So we created uh, the qualification, the QOM, based on their wish lists from all the comments we had received from our family of grads, I would say for decades of past courses. And some of the things that came up, they said they didn't want to have to pay to take the exam toward becoming credentialed. So they felt, and we agreed, that the course fee should include the entry into and the completion of the qualification process. So we agreed and we put that in there. They said they didn't want to be obligated to pay any type of membership fee year after year. So we agreed. And in addition, we kind of gave them some extra things uh, where we, we, we allow them to attend a refresher course at cost of at least one grad per class at a very low fee. They're called the VIP grad. So we tried to give them that little extra a bonus. They didn't want to um, have to pay to bring someone to their location to observe them. Um, for a day or two, and they didn't want to pay for live conferencing. So our QOM examiners committee created a means of assessing their evaluation and their treatment competency in a unique and very helpful way. Always, though, with the intention of helping them learn and grow and succeed as they do it. It's not a, you know, okay, you failed type thing. We, we, we want to help people grow as they're in the process. And they wanted the exam to test what they had actually learned in the training course about assessment and evaluation, their knowledge of the treatment program and the oral habit programs, um, rather than spending months that may be doing research that wasn't as suitable for things they needed immediately. So uh, they wanted recognition for their level of expertise, in other words, um, and we took all of these things and more into consideration and we created what they felt would represent them well with a QOM credential after their name. And that's how QOM was born. And um, what makes me happiest is the best part is that it didn't come from us. It came right from our graduates. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, that's a little of the story behind it. Um, and then what about the, uh, your instructors? How, what is your process in selecting them? Wow. <laughs> well, at first, a couple of us were kind of killing ourselves. Um, our courses over the past several years have been filling rapidly. Um, sometimes they force us to close out people due to a lack of space. That's why we 
need more instructors as we move into the future because we're trying to still limit our class size to 20. Mm -hmm. um, we do have very high standards for instructors, so it takes several steps to become one. First, they have to be a graduate of our training, of course, you know. But beyond that, they have to attend at least two other courses. And then they have to present uh, a short segment of one of our training courses so we can assess their, I guess you'd say their suitability. And we, we love them all, but, but as, as, a, as an instructor, their suitability uh, in all the ways that are important to us, like how do they present their portion, uh, their clarity, ability to speak with and not at or to, well, two is okay, but with the participants right. rather than at them. Um, their ability to think on their feet. How do they deal with distractions? How do they answer questions? Um, and I would say most of all, do they relate to every participant in a meaningful way? So um, we have several possibilities that we're considering as far as people right now who have uh, started the process. Because of the pandemic, we're a little bit slowed down. Uh, but I want to I want to try to get uh, as soon as possible at least um, one additional RDH going, and I have uh, two that are in the process, and I want to get at least one other SLP. We we now have two SLPs uh, presenting and one uh, dental hygienist and uh, and the dentist adding some things. So. Um, that's how it is. <laughs> I guess we're picky, but it's wonderful. And, and oh, they're, yeah. you, they're you, a great team. I, I just love them. Oh, that's I, important too. You want to have people you work with. For years, people asked me if they could come and teach with me. And um, it wasn't that I didn't like them, but it's like you're spending a lot of time and it's very deep. You want people who are on the same wave, wavelength, who are fun to be with, who are creative, who accept each other's ideas and, and, uh, we're all friends, you know, that's, that to me is, really is wonderful. Family. I mean, you, you know, you spend kind of a majority of your time with the people you work with. So it is important that, you know, you get along. Um, and even if you do have differences that you know how to, you know, get through them together. So all that's really, really important, especially when you're trying to work as a team. Yeah, I, I love our team. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, let's talk about, I would love to know, as I'm sure others would, um, would like to know, um, what it is that you contribute your, uh, what do you contribute your success to? Wow. Uh, I think, I think our team at Neo Health would say um, to others, don't worry about competition. It's just a negative thing. It's irrelevant have a genuine goal and it has to be genuine of serving those who come your way everyone to give whatever you you can um, and to speak and act honestly with those around you because you'll uh, they will sense it and they will be put at ease mm -hmm. so those are those are things that we we all try to do everyone on the team um, real reason for instructing has always been to free the true therapist that I believe is inside of most of us. It's to get our students to seriously let their hair down, to relax when they're learning and, and to carry it over into their everyday lives, to admit if they lack information in certain areas, and, and to please remember there are many people needing our services, far more than we can handle, 
so they should share generously with others. And as mentioned above, never ever worry about competition. Look ahead. Yeah, those those are amazing words, Sandra. Thank you so much for that. Because I, you know, unfortunately, I do think um, in some groups, um, you know, definitely not my own masters, but in some groups, I think that there is some kind of competitive mindset going on. And, you know, we're all working towards one goal. So I think the fact that you stress that is amazing because, you know, it's important, obviously, the information that we're getting um, from these courses we go and take. But, you know, especially for me, I guess kind of how you go about um, picking your instructors, like the people that that teach you, you want to be able to develop a relationship with them as well. So I think that's really important, too. I think it is, and um, sadly, I, I have gotten through the years, and, and two even more recently, people who have called me crying because of things that were said on Facebook groups. I don't follow them. I literally only follow ours as much as I can, but that should never, ever happen, in my opinion. If you really want to um, to do something positive for oral facial myology, um, you're an unselfish person, let's face it. You have to be to be a true therapist. So. And well, you are a doll. <laughs> oh, thank you, Sandra. I appreciate that. This has been absolutely fabulous. I've loved talking with you and asking you these questions, and I can't wait to get it out there for everybody, for everybody to hear. I'm sure everybody will feel the same way um, as well. So thank you. thank you for all of your hard work that you've put in over the years, um, you know, in the specialized field. Um, we appreciate everything that you do for it. And I appreciate someone like you carrying it on to the next step. You take care and be safe. Thank you for listening to today's episode of I Spy with My Maya Y. If you want to hear more about these episodes, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or feel free to contact me at bsierra.omt at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe as well and let us know of any subject or guest speaker you'd like to hear from. Help spread the word by sharing today's episode on your social media page. You can find me on Facebook at CT Oral Facial Myology and Instagram handle CT underscore Oral Facial underscore Myology. Everybody have a wonderful day.